Welcome back to another episode of After Further Review with Mark Ferreira and John Pelkey, along with Jeff Taylor, our producer, and the man on the board as well. Lots to talk about today. But before we get into the draft and the poll question and sort of some other directions we're going to go with this show, just want to give the audience just a, a brief little insight into what our well what our pregame warm-up was today. <laughs> and it was a... You know, it was it was a pretty good bare knuckle boxing uh, argument, political argument yep. that involved Jeff and John and myself, and uh, and a, and a good portion of it was between John and myself. Yes, and 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 that to me says it all, because <laughs> if you can't even get together on your own side of things, no, then it's going to be then it's going to be difficult. And the the other thing too is that uh, John and I, John and I kind of. We like to get into it. In a lot of ways, we're yeah. we're, we're twin brothers of, of different mothers, and we 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 know how to push each other's buttons, and and then we both have our passive aggressive strategies as well, mm-hmm. where we, uh, you know, where we give up, where we go away, and we. I get easily more uh, fed up. I get easily more fed up. You you will just keep going, I and will. I'm assuming you're only. A couple of pops into the day, alcohol-wise, at this point. But, man, if you're, like, four in, then it's just it's just ugly. But Jeff, much like us, is uh, and said it during during the discussion, we can scream at each other and call each other names. And I called him names. You and, did. And I fully admit to it. Yeah. Uh, but then if we were ever allowed to be around each other again, which eh, it's still pretty doubtful unless the, the Lysol injections work, uh, we will buy each other a drink. Yeah, afterwards. Will. That's that's how I grew up. I grew up Washington D.C. You fight like cats and dogs over it, and then you go buy each other dinner. So let's, nothing let's more American, at least to that. And, and that is American. actually that is to me what America is all about, and that's w- what we've lost because we we take everything so damn personally, and we go and huddle into our corner. I don't take everything personally, you idiot. We huddle. Into oh, I'm sorry. Our- I need an inner monologue. I really need an inner monologue. We, we, we have a, a, a philosophical and ideological feudal kingdoms. We feel we have to protect. That's true. And it's just a joke. It's 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 moronic and it's and it's it's pre adolescent. It's kid. It's kindergarten behavior is what it is. I'm sort of hoping for junior high at some point. So and that's and, and John, I'll tell you, one of the things with you is that's a narrative that is established. <laughs> it could be decades ago. You don't ever let go. My our early voice memos, our early voice memos had yes, more Twain Heart Radio, more Ferrera family, but for for weeks now, well, for episodes I should say, for multiple episodes, there we we've barely had a hint of any Ferrera or Twain Heart Radio and yet still that's what the voice memos um essentially are to you. Yeah. It, it's, I, it's, it's I'm not it's disagreeing hilarious. in any way. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm completely agreeing with you. I admit I'm a massive hypocrite. No one well, should ever listen to me. We, but, you know, I mean, it's my on. feudal kingdom. It is your feudal kingdom, and you're doing your best to uh, to protect it. You should be listened to. Everybody should hear everyone's opinions, and you should and fight like cats and dogs. Ball. And yeah. at the end of the day, we're all friends again. You're Put the gloves on, get in the ring, and then hug it out. With the three of us, I think that's fine. I think there are some some people though who's uh, who don't have a right to their opinion, and that's a long held belief yes. of mine. 
That, Jeff, I don't know if you heard, that is Mark's, uh, that's Mark, Mark actually died on this hill when we were doing our old show. He believes that you are not entitled to your opinion. And no. I, as much as I get angry, and I'm yeah. far left, Tommy Pinko freedom hater, and I get into it with Trumpsters, uh, I do believe you're entitled to your opinion, even if I think it's wrong. Mark simply doesn't believe you're entitled to it. No, some people <laughs> aren't. Some people simply aren't. No, I mean, I, I just think that that's, you just, you just aren't entitled to your opinion. Now, you can, you can say it. You know, you can walk around and say it if you're going to claim the First Amendment, which is also what you're saying is that you're not entitled to your respect for their opinion. I'm not entitled to Mark's respect for my opinion. That's what you're saying. Yeah. In other in other words, the the phrase that people say you have a right to your opinion. Yes. Okay. You have a right. If if someone is out there talking about swimming pools, killing more people than the coronavirus. Sorry, you just don't have a right to that opinion. And it's a matter of. It's a matter of uh, it's a phrase. It's a matter of speaking when I say you don't have a right to it. I don't actually mean I'd like to take your First Amendment right away for spewing idiotic things. Well, over that's, the years. that's I, the, that. I, I want to jump I in for just do, for just a moment. I would like to jump in and say that's not an opinion, though. You're stating that as though they were saying that it's a fact that more people die in swimming pools than die of the coronavirus. They're not entitled to their own facts ever. Yes. No, one, no one is. And so many of us. <laughs> give into that and myself included getting facts from not um not doing our due diligence that, that's a good distinction jeff and maybe i should change it that you're just not allowed to speak <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me you don't have a right to speak okay whether it's facts or opinion if you're going to put out wrong facts it should then- be it should be like uh the movie business you should have to give your fact your uh, opinion an elevator pitch and if i'm not gonna if i don't like your elevator pitch then i don't want to hear the rest of your opinion then See, your script is I'm going just, on my desk and i'm never looking i'm just asking them to just be quiet with their stupid facts and stupid opinions john wants to put them out onto a farm you know what i mean john goes the extra mile in terms yeah. of what he wants to do with those people john's got a lot of pent-up anger <laughs> he really does probably misplaced pent-up anger all right, so uh, the draft was last night. We're going to get into that, obviously. Did you watch it, Jeff, at all? Yes, I did. I watched the okay. whole thing. Very nice. And, and we jump. should shout out, Mark, I, and I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but we should shout out to those folks who are going to be listening to the podcast who joined us last night for our yeah. Zoom draft party. We had about, uh, I think at the, at the most, we had about 16 people uh, at a point, 17 people, and uh, we were going to do an hour-ish and we ended up doing the entire first round. So yeah. uh, I'd like to uh, call you all out by name. But uh, in, in lieu of doing that, I want to thank everybody who joined us because it was it was really nice to have an opportunity to bounce some things off some people and to experience a live sporting event yeah. thing or whatever it was you want to call it. It was together. a lot of fun. And before I get into the draft talk, I want to say this is an example of how ridiculous I am and what a clam I am. And anyone that knows me well understands this. I had a great setup, I thought, with the computer, with the Zoom ready to go. I even connected it to the Ethernet to because of our success doing this. And the TV was right behind it, ready to go. And I turn it on, and I have to change the input. You know, that's what you do sometimes. So I change it to the cable input, and it won't let me get on. It just won't let me get on. And the and the and the remote I'm using is working. I do multiple tests on that, so I just give up. <laughs> move to the move to the kitchen table, kitchen area, dining room, 
and uh, set up, you know, a stream thing on the phone, which has nothing to do with the coverage that everyone else is watching. And then I, you know, then it's too fast, and I chime in before before everyone knows what the draft. Hey, Mark's is. like, "Hey, great pick!" He's and we're like, "Shut up! We didn't give yeah. it yet." I get eviscerated for that, you know, rightly. And then and then it's behind. And 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 to John's point, a a, a chunk of our conversation today is going to be about. You know, the coverage itself, not just the draft. But we'll get into that at that point. I just want to throw that out there that I'm just an idiot and a clam because I went back after, of course, after the event, I went to the TV and it was working perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, so it's it's the, it's the buffet thing, John. <laughs> we'll have to explain that entire yes. the, the buffet reference. But uh, All right. it's OK. It was fun. Nonetheless, we had a good time. And we'll get into that in just a second. But first, I want to get into some uh, progressive trivia. And our progressive trivia today involves an NFL athlete who was a former first-round pick. It's thematic, okay. which I used to, uh, which I used to give Joe Candelora a hard time about back in the day. Thought it was Niku. Thought now, it was really Niku to make it thematic. And now I'm co- completely making it thematic. Former first-round pick, played for 13 years, has played for 13 years with three different teams, and has over 12,000 yards from scrimmage. Former first-round pick has played for 13 years with three different teams and has over 12,000 yards from scrimmage. Anyone? <laughs> Two nebulous. Uh, uh, Frank Gore. Not Frank Gore. Solid pick, although he's got probably close to 18,000 yards yeah, from Yeah, scrimmage. he probably does. But I just want to bring him up because we always bring him up when we think about guys who never get nearly the credit that they deserve. Talk about an underrated athlete. So – as we uh, segue into the draft talk, I, I do want to say this. Now, you guys, <laughs> I mean, I read these articles all the time, but what's the predominant theme of any post-draft article? Winners, Winners and losers. losers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Before a guy's set foot on, on, on a field, before we've seen any guy play for the team, we're, we're going to tell you the winners and losers. Yes, exactly. And what I love is when they say a team that has multiple needs, like the New York Giants, if their offensive tackle pick is a loser pick because they should have picked Isaiah Simmons because they have defensive needs, they have needs. They have multiple needs on both sides of the ball. So what are you going to do? How, how can you possibly talk about those teams' picks as being losers? I don't get that. It's the hot take culture, Mark. You got, I, it's got to be – we have to break everything down. And this is part of our talk. We have to break everything down into black and white winners and losers. I, and, and by the way, the draft is – that is a – in my mind, you've got to look forward at least three and probably five years before you can really accurate, accurately grade a draft. The whole yeah, thing for yeah. sure. There are going to be two or three guys that get in and start making a difference immediately. We have no idea who they are. My that last night was my favorite draft that I've ever watched in its entirety because I have a philosophy that you can never go wrong picking a left tackle ever <laughs> because the left tackle, unless you have a left-handed quarterback, but right, even right, right. he, that's part of my point. The left tackle can always move to right tackle, the less lesser of the two tackle positions, supposedly. And I've even seen them move inside to guard. It seems like you're, you're basically picking a Swiss Army knife at right. the best position on the line. 
Yeah, no, that's a really good point because a number of years ago, the Raiders picked Robert Gallery, who was out of uh, Iowa. He I remember was considered that, yeah. the best offensive lineman. And he ha- he's had a long, I, and he may still be in, in the league, and I'm 100% sure, he's had a long, a, a long successful career, but he's, it's considered to be a bad pick because he didn't end up being that blindside tackle. In fact, he moved to guard at, at a certain point, and it's considered a less uh, obviously a less important position, uh, but he's had a nice long career. So as opposed to looking at it and going, wow, they, they picked a guy who played for them and was a contributor for a long period of time. No, it's a bust because he was supposed to be this standout left left tackle uh, so it is. Yeah, I just think grading to your point, Mark uh, and Jeff, your point as well. Grading the draft at this point is silly. Nonetheless, let's do it. Well, and, and, and to your point, Jeff, the sexy picks are the ones that usually become the winners. You know, the Cowboys were the winners because C.D. Lamb yes. fell to them. Yes. And he's you know, he's the sexy pick, uh, you know, uh, on the other side of Amari Cooper. And, you know. Sure, that sound it sounds great at first from from our point of view right now. And of course, Andrew Thomas, even though he's one of the best offensive linemen in the draft, well, the Giants picked him as opposed to sort of a sexier pick of Isaiah Simmons. You know, and so now they're a loser. The but tackles were funny too. The ta- now that you bring if you don't mind jumping into little nuts and bolts and and Jeff brought up the tackle and that is one of the that's one of the marquee positions now in football, but it's really funny because there were four guys that everyone talked about and I honestly think it was equally split between all of those guys, depending on who you were reading, who was the best, who was the worst. And it still comes out today and everybody and everybody is so sure that that wasn't a a great pick or it should have been another guy when no one could agree going into the draft, which one of them was the best. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, exactly. And those three wide receivers, Lamb and Ruggs and Judy were sort of grouped together as well. And um, it it took a while for the run on wide receivers to happen. So your team are the Redskins, right, Jeff? Yes. And to me, Chase Young is a guy who could make an immediate impact, just like his buddy Nick Bosa did last year with the Niners. Absolutely. And Ohio State is loaded with those kind of guys that can make immediate impact. Not anymore. They all won the draft last night. Well, that's true. Good call. They just now, line them up again, though. My goodness, the depth of talent on that team is ridiculous. And that's when we remember Meyer, Joe, man. Joe Burrow was on the team with Chase Young and, exactly. and all of those guys. And so it's just it's just ridiculous. And, and you know, the last year. Yeah, that's my team as well. And Chase Young, I think, yes, I, I think he may be the most ready to make an impact. And I think it says something when ESPN is grading and they're telling you, you know, the pluses and the minuses and the questions. And the question for Chase Young is what jersey number is he going to wear? <laughs> I, that, I'll tell you what Bosa did. Now, granted, that line had been building for a while, but the, the defensive line for the Redskins has been building for a while also. No, and, if, and if you have good. a line that's maybe a top three, top five line in the NFL, you're, you're going to make that defense seem better than it is. Just yeah, by that's definition, because you're getting you're you're getting to the quarterback and Prescott in that division doesn't really move around that much, you know. Uh, Jones does, I guess, a little bit, but you know, I, I think additional pressure on the quarterback, and I guess Wentz too. I mean, Wentz extends the plays. I mean, all those three quarterbacks extend the plays, but I think that that's going to go a long way to Washington winning maybe a couple, two, three more games than they did. I mean, they, they could make a run at 7-9, and nine, say, well, just even this year. 
simply because of what that defensive line the havoc that defensive line could wreak on on opponents, I think. It, it possibly, but if you, as a, as a Skins fan going into this, I, and I like the pick, and it's a no-brainer, but I said, and, and it seems that it was true, they should listen to offers because they have, they have talent issues uh, all over the field, frankly, and if they'd gotten a, a, an amazing offer, and apparently they didn't, uh, I would have had no problem with them trading out of that position for uh, trading out of number two for a lower pick. So, it, but it's, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer of a and pick. Out, as and I guess from the area and from the area, which is even bigger. I mean, the, f- yeah, the first went to two picks, high school, the first two picks stayed in state, which I think is pretty cool. Right. Right. And you know, a lot of people are talking about the dolphins being the big winners, but I think they, they positioned, I mean, in a way, the way, the reason they're a big winner is because they didn't have to trade up to get who they wanted so Tua fell to them. They picked him, which I thought was the right pick. I think that's a right pick to make. And I think the other two picks they 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 got their um, you know they got their they got another cornerback. They got an offensive lineman. I think all that is great. They have eleven more picks this this draft. They've got nine picks next draft and high ones. I think another four picks in the first and second round next year as well. Yeah, they're set up well. And uh, you know to your. Uh to your point with Tua, and this that was really most of our discussion yet about the draft yesterday. There was some idea that perhaps Detroit would trade out, but really, we the the thing that we were wondering the most about was the situation with Tua. Would would somebody feel the need to move up to get him? Um, if he were there at five, would the Dolphins be comfortable taking him, or would they go with Herbert? And I think those were still probably questions. Um, up until uh, shortly before the draft. But I agree, Mark, and I think something that all of us were talking about last night was that had they moved up to get Tua and it not worked out, even if they only had to move up a couple of spots but give something else up and had it, had it not worked and if it didn't work out, that would they would really, really feel a lot of heat for that versus the fact that he was right there that's your draft position. You didn't have to give anything up. Yes, there are health uh, questions, but if he is healthy, at that point, you haven't given anything else up to take. You have to take him, in my mind. Jeff, did you have uh, something to say? It looked like you were ready to, you were poised. I, I didn't, but I will say this, that uh, him falling to them at five, it seems like it'll be less of a story if he doesn't work yeah. out. If they had traded yeah. up and they'd given up assets to get into a better position to take him and he's a bust, then it's a big thing. Now I think it just is another pick. Yep. And I think Detroit, we talked about this last night, John. I, I, I really do think with the Lions, number one, you have a, a lot of needs. So trading down would have been an, an option for them. And yes, Okuda was the best defensive back in the draft, probably. And that's obviously always a, a a a good position to have, especially in a in a division that has a, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers in it. Uh, but I also think you know Stafford's getting up there, and Stafford has yet to win a playoff game. And if you get a franchise altering quarterback, which I think everyone agrees to, a certainly the ceiling is that. Then why don't you do that if you're the Lions? Why don't you make a splash in that? direction where you can start building around that and then have Matthew Stafford there to perhaps get some draft picks 
later on in the draft? It's a good question. I think Stafford is a guy who might benefit from a change of scenery because I think he's a guy whose uh, career has not uh, been as successful as it could be somewhat due to his play, but also due to that organization. Um, But, you know, not surprised, Mark, because Matt Patricia is a defensive guy and Okuda coming out of Ohio State, which is defensive back you at this point. And by all accounts, he's a guy who is uh, ready to start, if not star in the league right away. So I think they, much like Washington, I think they went with a, a good, safe pick. I don't think he's as much of a no-brainer as Chase Young. Um, and I'm not terribly surprised that they didn't make a, a deal uh, with anyone. Apparently they were in talks as well. But again, when you, when it's easy to say, wow, you should have made made a deal or you should have gone, you know, you, sh- you should have gone with with Tua. But there are things outside of my knowledge, salary cap implications, where guys are in their contract, um, some free agents they may have their eyes up, uh, on. So I, I think probably a smart pick for Detroit. You're a little more of a gambler in these situations than I am, Mark. So I think. To pick Tua now with a guy like Matthew Stafford, who is arguably a better option than Miami has, um, maybe makes a little less sense. Anything surprising to you, Johnny or Jeff? Anything like does anything surprise you about last night that you did not expect that was like, wow, there were four trades in the first round. Um, So one by New England, one by Miami and two by the Niners. Uh, yeah, I mean, the I trades, know you weren't expecting a lot of trades. No, because they talked about that there were going to be a lot of trades, and it always seems to be that if they, if you know, if that's the narrative going in that there that there there doesn't end up uh, being as there was last night. I mean, there were a few trades. They came they came later. I, there there wasn't anything that was really terribly shocking to me. Um, I'm a little surprised. Though I think it's uh, understandable that Green Bay and the position that they're in right now in that division with Aaron Rodgers and an opportunity to um, to win that, that division for the next couple of years, or at least be competitive in that division for the next two, three years while Rodgers, uh, as Rodgers ages, that they didn't get him another weapon. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, you wonder if that is some level of concession that uh, – they they don't feel like they're as close as maybe we feel that they are. Um, but there's also a school of thought, and I think it's a very good school of thought in the NFL, that if you can get a quarterback of the future, it's better to get him earlier than later. And they have had a pretty successful history of having a guy sit behind someone for a while. Love is considered a bit of a project. Rodgers, I'm sure, has at least three more good seasons in him. It, it may make sense. I am a little surprised, though, with a deep wide receiver draft that they didn't get Aaron Rodgers another uh, another weapon. And I wonder how Rodgers, who's notoriously prickly, is going to deal with this. Well, we have you know, we have six more rounds to go. So uh, there may be plenty of uh, opportunity for the Packers to do that. Now, I was mostly surprised. And of course, I didn't even watch any of this because I was following on my phone. Because I tried for four minutes to make the TV work, and it didn't work, so I gave up. Um, I was surprised that it went so smoothly. It was four hours. Yeah. And and we, we've seen teams blow picks in the past. We've seen them just not pick in time. Yeah. We, the Minnesota Vikings come to mind, and I think other teams have done that. 
And this seemed to go relatively smooth. Well, don't you think that maybe part of that was the anticipation that something will go wrong will cause you to be more um, uh, to be more focused? And as it always went in the past, the draft was essentially, you know, started moving to different states. But it was the same sort of vibe to it. This this time, I think teams were just more aware that something could go wrong. So I think perhaps they had their ducks in a row a little better. Uh, but I, all in all, I thought, yeah, it was a very smooth draft. Do you think that uh, because the war rooms, you know, maybe war rooms can kind of get out of control a little bit at times? And since Too you're isolated, people. you yeah. can kind of control that dynamic a little bit more. And so it might be easier to make a decision as opposed to being flustered by too many people, too many uh, chiefs in the room, if you will. Well, yeah, listen, I think uh, I, I think you, you have to have people and, and every team has somebody making the final decision. But it's a good point, Mark. A, a lot of time draft by committee. Uh, if the committee is too large, and I think we've seen some of those war rooms uh, in the past and said, well, that um, hopefully some of those people are just hanging out because it's fun. Uh, I think, yes, if you uh, if you narrow your decision making uh, group, uh, you probably are going to more quickly make a decision. And it seemed like last night that that was kind of what happened. Do you like conspiracy theories? <laughs> sure. I, I used to. They've, I used to be, before they were hijacked by wackos. They filmed that whole thing yesterday morning, except for Goodell in front of that uh, screen of people. <laughs> Everything else was already done. Did you see how fresh, especially your guys, Lynch and uh, and. Shanahan looked like they'd just gotten out of the shower in the morning. They just had their first cup of coffee. They're all chipper. Gruden wasn't angry yet. That was definitely the morning, right? I, don't, I think Gruden was struggling. I don't think he could get out of his chair, though. I think <laughs> Gruden couldn't get out of that chair because there's it seemed like he couldn't get out of the chair. I think that's part and parcel, though, of what we're talking about is those guys were their homes. There were, you know, they they were in communication obviously throughout the day with other people in the team but it wasn't that sort of harried there here's everybody's grabbing you from every side it was relaxed they were at home and mike vrabel wins by the way for whatever bizarre david lynch like twin peaks thing that was going on <laughs> in in his in his draft room someone dressed up in like a smurf there there was a lot going on uh, for mike vrabel so smurf he, and he tiger wins the King. draft for me and it was still a tv show but it wasn't the kind of TV show we're used to. They're still they still probably lost millions in terms of what they're used to for the NFL draft. But boy, oh boy, there's an argument to be made that it was more efficient, successful, and the teams I I would surmise probably because of the lack of dynamics that a lot of these war rooms are because that's flattened out a bit. You know, they may have they may have felt better about it. They may have felt more productive about the whole thing. But there's no way they're going to ever do even an element of this in the future. It's going to go back to the way it was this yeah. overblown Las Vegas and or <laughs> New York Javits Center. Once they reconvert that from a hospital to a to a convention hall again. Well, that's a big moneymaker, too. I mean, that, that's that, what I mean. That's, that's a big marketing thing. I like that. But I do think I, I, I and I'd be interested to get your opinions on this. I do think that you might see smaller draft rooms uh, I, I i think that you may see the show happen in the javits center but the war rooms will be at the homes the coaches the gms will be at home they're off in their other rooms anyway they're not really part of the show other than that every once in a while no different than for that was the most normal thing last night 
was yeah. that. So the war room. they may not they they may go back to just having those guys stay at home and do it the way they did it here and the players and Goodell and the fans are all in the in the arena. Well, I think they'll probably they'll probably go back to their facilities. I think that'll just be a little bit easier. But I, but but I'm just going to stick with the fact that I think not having so many people around, you know, get the yeah. information from the scouts, get all of that information, but have fewer people in the room actually making that final decision. And, and it's going to be very interesting because back in the day, as we all know, the preparation for the draft was nowhere near what it is right now. Those players, even when we interviewed Fabian yesterday, the month before the draft, he didn't do much. And there was so much talk, so much narrative, this draft about what teams were missing in terms of pro days and other things like that. Although I did think Fabian did did go did have a pro day, but he didn't have the kind of visitations that a lot of these teams were expecting. So to your point, John, in three to five years when we evaluate this draft it will really be interesting to see if the percentage of hits and misses are relatively the same than most other years or if there's a skew in it, which would be which would be very interesting. The other would, thing that you go ahead. Finish. Well, it would prove the point that they needed to have more time. There needed to be updated medical on these people, all the things we've heard of. Uh, in terms of the narratives that were established before this draft. Well, and I think we talked about this before, too, because, you know, there's a, the due diligence on these uh, these kids started during the season. Frankly, teams were, you know, starting to slot guys in. Uh, I think where we're going to see the biggest effect is in the undrafted free agent market, because they're not going to have the opportunity to meet with these guys. Um, are they sure that Listen, they, they already have a handful of names that if they're not picked, they're guys that they're going to want to get in touch with. They always do. But they're not going to have an opportunity maybe to uh, to work out some of these guys, to meet with some of these guys. So where I think what I think you might see is uh, the undrafted free agent pool is going to be a little um, uh, it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, difficult for people to evaluate that pool and yeah. how who who they need who they like from from those players because that's, they spend so much point. time on the more elite players and you really fill out your roster and championship teams are sometimes made in the later rounds and with undrafted free agents oh, undrafted yeah. free agents may be getting a shorter shrift so and, and guys, it's 30% of the NF, the current NFL John 30% yeah, guys, guys so that's guys, a great point guys may not get as many at, might not get the opportunities that otherwise would and the other thing, too, is that these rookies aren't going to get the multiple amounts of camps that they can to kind of get used to the culture, to the playbook, to everything else. They're not going to have all of those mini camps and OTAs and everything else uh, that normally they would have during this time of year. All right, let's move on to progressive trivia to the next couple of clues. I have three more clues. So okay. six total clues in the first two rounds of progressive trivia, giving people a lot here. Let's go back. It's a former first-round pick. So we're sticking with the theme. Played for third, has played, has played for 13 years with three different teams, over 12,000 yards from scrimmage in his career. Led the league in touchdowns twice. Has played with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Amari Cooper, and been coached by two Super Bowl winning head coaches. Oh, I think I think I. All right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna text you because we don't want to give this away. But all right, go ahead and shot. text me. I think I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to take I'm, a shot. I'm going to do this again. Former first-rounder, play, has played for 13 years with three different teams, over 12,000 yards from scrimmage, led the league in touchdowns twice, 
played with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Amari Cooper. It is not Mark Ingram. And has been coached by two Super Bowl winning head coaches. I thought about Mark Ingram, but I did not go there. Led the league in touchdowns twice. Played with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Amari Cooper. Been coached by two Super Bowl winning head coaches. All right. If you don't have anything, Jeff, or if you do, go not ahead yet. and text me. We'll go, not yet. go on to our poll question, Johnny. Uh, favorite announcer. And we got we got a lot of people chiming in last night during our party, during mm-hmm. our draft party. And uh, I before we get into that, let's hear from some of our listeners about who their favorite announcers are and were. Chief of the Fire here. Vince Scully, hands down, would be my number one sports broadcaster however a close second place is going to be john miller uh broadcaster for the giants um vin was like going to the baseball game with grandpa and having him describe it to you and john miller would be like going to the baseball game with your funny uncle but uh, both of them, great. Uh, my answer is going to be Vince Scully, but uh, an honorable mention, John Miller. Good morning, guys. This is Janine. And my pick for the announcer would be, uh, believe it or not, Jackie Stewart from NASCAR back in, like, the 70s when I was a kid. And I just love his accent, his Scottish accent. And he was a really good announcer, so I picked Jackie Stewart. Hey, guys, I'd like to thank you for hosting that draft party last night. It was a true blast. My answer to today's questions would be, I'm staying local in the Pittsburgh area with my Pittsburgh Pirates, Bob Prince, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Myron Cope, and the voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mike Lang. You guys have a great day and stay safe. And that's it. That's it. That's so, uh, real local for Lenny. Yeah, Iron Co. Uh, Bob, Bob Prince, and uh, and uh, obviously with uh, Vince Scully with Brian, and and Tom Marino is also a Vince Scully guy. He he said all of his uh, major sports. Vince Scully, Dick Enberg, for uh, for the Angels as well, baseball, and uh, Chick Hearn for the Lakers. I remember listening to Chick Hearn as well. Chick Hearn was moved. great. Oh, unbelievable. Now, here's the interesting uh, thing. Brian Ascari and I grew up about as far away from each other as people can. Yes. He grew, he grew up with you, and he was Southern California, right? Yes. Southern California guy. I yep. grew up in Washington, D.C., so opposite coasts. We have the exact same favorite announcers. Right. Vince Scully and John Miller. And John Miller, because prior to John Miller being the Giants play-by-play man, he was the Baltimore Orioles play-by-play guy. So in the 70s, that's who I listened to. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and you said last night that you said, uh, you know, sort of set the setting the bar, setting the goal, the gold standard, if you will. Obviously, Vince Scully's that. But you said John Miller and Joe Morgan were like that for uh, for TV for a long time. And I agree with you, John. That was about the baseball team I enjoyed the most. I loved, you know, as a kid, Garagiola and Tony Kubek and uh, right. Gosh, I should try to grab another cu- couple names out of it. But really, for me, Miller and Morgan uh, Joe Morgan gave me as much insight into baseball as anybody that I ever listened me, me to. Me too. And and what happened to him? Did he have some sort of scandal? Or I mean, why did he just get? Do you want me to make something up? Because <laughs> I, I, I mean, don't know, but I could make. I mean, something John Miller up. landed on his feet for crying out loud, and poor Joe Morgan. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Joe Morgan just figured it was time to retire. We should look into that. But Joe Morgan could tell me more about a game than anyone. And, I love uh, I love that team. There's no doubt about it. I, and I, I love Blonde Simmons, who was uh, the Giants and the 49ers guy. I don't know if yeah. you... I'm only moderately familiar with Lon Simmons. I know he had a long, long career, and he's I, he's in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. I know that. Uh, but long, long career. Uh, and he worked I with don't Wes remember Hodges. listening to him. So he was, the, he was the Giants guy when they came to the uh, – uh, and I think he was with the 49ers. He was a local guy. So he was with the 49ers, and then he joined the Giants team when they moved in 1958. And he joined Russ Hodges, who, of course, is the Giants announcer – that announced uh, the Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant in 1951, and then he died in 1971, and Lon Simmons became the main guy. So I love, I mean, I grew up listening to Lon Simmons. Love Wasn't um, uh, former San Diego Charger quarterback uh, Dan Fouts, wasn't his father an announcer for, for the Niners as well? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't I, recall I, that. I thought I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. I probably should have done that ahead of time. But, uh, yeah, I think I think he might have been. Uh I also some honorable mentions from mine. I, I when I was in college, we had WGN as a superstation, and it was in that period of time when it was Harry Carey and Steve Stone, and I probably enjoyed that as much as any experience because Harry was always, you know, not unlike you, Mark, a couple of pops in, and uh, <laughs> nice job getting that narrative. Steve Stone, <laughs> Steve Stone, uh, former Oriole as well as a Cub, and I that dynamic is one of my favorite dynamics of all time. And it, it really had a lot less to do with Cubs baseball, which at times during that stretch wasn't very good and had a lot to do with just the entertainment uh, aspect of, you know, Harry having a good time just with his inimitable style. And then Steve Stone trying to keep it on track while Harry's talking about, Hey, there's a kid in the sombrero. That's a good looking kid. Uh, Harry, there's a bunt down the third base. But, ah, whatever. Look at the kid. Play some, play some fog hat. Let's rock and roll. Uh, that was just for sheer fog, entertainment. Fog hat. So what I love about that, though, because John Pelkey is quite gifted at uh, doing a, a scenario between two people and, and playing both roles, and usually one guy just being outrageously over the top and another person being the reasonable guy. And that dynamic of a, of a shtick bit uh, is perfectly applied for Harry Carey and Steve Stone <laughs> because Steve Stone is batting the- Rod Santo. That's a Ryan Sandberger. Shut up, Steve. <laughs> ah, I did this every day. You're a pitcher. Five starts a month. Come on. Ah, whatever. Ooh, look at her. Get a close up, Arnie. Uh, we're deep into the third here, Harry. Ah, whatever. <laughs> Cubs are going to finish 42 games out of first place. What does this matter? Oh, my God, I need a martini. That's just that's so good. Poor Steve Stone. Uh, Harry. Oh, he was brilliant. Yeah, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Sand. Whatever. I preferred Santo. Speaking of Harry Carey, and this is a perfect, a perfect segue one of our guests last night at the uh, at the party was uh, Mario, who's a big Astros fan. And we also had Ryan, who's a big Astros fan. And, of course, they brought up Milo Hamilton, who spent a lot of time at the ESPN club with us. Uh, every single year they called it Ast- Astroline. I still think they call the show Astroline, even though they're, they, they broadcast from another location. Hey, hey guys. Yeah, this is uh, Phil from Disney. Oh, hi, Phil. This is the Houston Astros. Yeah, mm, you guys stop calling it Astroline. 
but why? <laughs> it's a, we're we're the show. Astros, and it's still the line. Yeah, I know, but uh, the minute you set foot on Disney property, uh, all intellectual properties for the rest of your life, uh, you know, they, they become ours. So and we're thinking of making... We're thinking of making Astro Line the ride at the Magic Kingdom. It's time for a Tomorrowland <laughs> update, so you're gonna have to go with something else. Yeah, but we were for we were Disney. Okay, I that know, sounds but, good, Phil. We're gonna go with Astro Orbiter for our new show. <laughs> ooh, Orbit. Ooh, ooh. The uh, their mascot is is really creepy, really creepy. The, 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 the Astro's mas- mascot. Oh, Orbit. Orbit. Yes, they call it Orbit. And he comes down into the crowd. (laughs) What's that? He bangs bangs on a trash can. (laughs) He might as well. He the the costume. I mean, I I shouldn't be saying this, really. I suppose, but the costume is not very kept up. You know what I mean? And he's wow. We're at Disney, so we're used. It feels like we're in Times Square with those characters that are in Times Square. You know, the sort of take their heads off and yeah. walk around taking a he break smelled, with the head. He smelled like a bus station. Let's be honest. He smelled like a bus station. And he does all these pelvic gyrations like right at the table with these families. It's just not appropriate. There's nothing appropriate about it. I couldn't it, have been happy, by the way. No, I know. You loved it. You loved it. Uh, but Milo was great. Milo was an absolute class act and so good and so fun. Always called me Mike. And I think he did it on purpose. I would be in the house getting the guests questions and so forth because it was being broadcast live back to Houston. And he always said, let's throw it to Mike out in the house every <laughs> single year. I am really convinced. Spring. I am really convinced that's because you, you let a couple of Harry Carey questions sneak through from time to time. I and did. Milo and Harry notoriously had a feud and did not like each other. Right. And when you would uh, and Jeff, I don't know if you were ever there for National Line, but if someone would ask a Harry Carey question. He just would blow by. He would just simply wouldn't answer it. No, no, They'd no. Ask the question. He, yeah, and he, and he made it very to, clear yeah. that he would not talk about that. Wouldn't man. talk about it. Which you know, we kept hoping he'd prod him into it, and he'd throw some sort of a fit. Well, he wrote a book, and he talks he, all about it in his book about the uh, the year or two he was with the Cubs with Harry, and uh, what a you know pos from his point of view. Harry Carey was so. Ah, shut up, Milo. <laughs> Do tequila shots with me. Who the hell are we playing today? The Seattle Pilots? Oh, whatever. It's July. We're 52 games out. Oh, God almighty. Glad they pay me. Well, I'm taking my shirt off. Where are you going, Hamilton? <laughs> Joe Morgan took a job with the Cincinnati Reds. That's what ended his broadcast career. He's the... Uh, He's the uh, special advisor to baseball operations for the Cincinnati Reds, or at least he was in 2010. Okay. Oh, 2010. That's when he left the broadcast booth. Ten years ago, yeah. I think he was forced out, but I'm not – maybe he did it – It doesn't say that here on Wikipedia, which typically would not stay away from that kind of story, but uh, you could be right. And, and But you always got to be careful because Mark and I used to edit Wikipedia back in the day. <laughs> back in the day when they weren't as careful about police. You could sneak like something in like they are now. So uh, we had a great time doing that stuff. All right, let's go to our final two progressive trivia hints. Let's uh, review everything we have thus far. This guy's a first round, former first round pick. Has played, has played for 13 years with three different teams. Has over 12,000 yards from scrimmage. And he led the league in touchdowns twice, played with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Amari Cooper, been coached by two Super Bowl winning head coaches. 
is a five-time Pro Bowler and an All-Pro. He was an All-Pro one year, and he played in the Pac-10. Pac-10. So he gives you an idea of the era as well. Because as we've talked about, John Pelkey, the Pac Conference adjusts. When they have eight teams, they're called the Pac-8. When they have 10 teams, they're called the Pac-10. Now they have 12 teams, they're called the Pac-12. It's a conference that represents <laughs> higher learning and adjusts to how many teams there are, adjust their name. How many teams are in the Big Ten, John? 14. Right. How many teams are in the Big 12? 10. What about that, Jeff? Well, I think, you- I think the Big Ten was taken when the Big 12 came around. And uh, when the when the Big Ten went to 12, the Big 12 was taken. They could have swapped at that point. They chose not to. And Big 14 just doesn't roll off the tongue right. No, but I think they're just missing a marketing thing because now you can just make Big 14 T-shirts and hats and all of that, and everybody will buy them. It's like the – and, Jeff, you'll appreciate this. It's like uh, hockey teams that now have a fifth alternate jersey. <laughs> they, That's not because they want to look great. They want you to buy the fifth alternate jersey. Never yeah. bought an alternate jersey, but I do have a couple St. Patrick's Day jerseys. All right, John, did you text me on uh, anything? Yep, I did. Let's see what you got here. Uh, it is not Reggie Bush. Ah, it is not Reggie Bush. I thought that was a pretty good guess. That's a pretty good guess. Do you have any guesses there, uh, Jeff? I don't. It's it's killing me. I mean, I've, I've I've narrowed it down now. Just the names aren't coming to me. All right. So next uh, next episode, we do have another poll question, and the next episode's poll question is this: most overrated athlete. And I went with that one, John, because you liked underrated or overrated. I gave you about eight different potential poll topics and uh and you i know i wanted i wanted to do something that you would like and you would you always prefer the negative well the interesting thing about that is positive one the interesting thing about that is and and you you know me far too well is that initially i was going to to text you immediately most overrated but then i thought no that's that's just too. Uh, that's a little too on point. So that's why I said yeah. overrated or underrated. I, uh-huh. I actually think they're both good questions. But you're right. I gravitated towards the overrated, okay. and and not so much that I want to point out guys that I think are overrated. But I just love people justifying why they think someone's overrated. So I can't wait for the Tom Brady is overrated because he's sure. sure. Uh, you know, any of the Michael Jordan, because he's really just a poor man's Dr. J or whatever people are going to come up with LeBron. We might get a lot of LeBron LeBron's as well. Yeah. So I think that's a, I think that's a fun question. Yeah. Most overrated athlete. And and we also want to go into this just for a a couple of moments in terms of our voice memos. Uh, we, what we want to do is we want to encourage you not to just answer poll questions, but also throw us ideas in terms of topics you want us to talk about. Also, push back a little bit on the opinions we have, because our opinions, you know, we all believe we all have the right to our opinion. We think there's enough knowledge in our head, at least an inch deep and a mile wide enough to justify the fact that we have an opinions. I don't think if I met myself in the street, I would think, oh, that guy doesn't doesn't have the right to his own opinion. But maybe I would. I don't think I I don't think I don't think I I don't feel that way about you or uh, about you or Jeff. But give us some pushback if you'd like. Give us some ideas for additional topics if you'd like. And to John Pelkey's point, and I'm, I'm going to cede to his correctness on this, we need to have our we, – we, we, how should I say this in a nice way? Our voice memos 
and and I thought the ones today were great because there were some they made some interesting points. But you know, be be succinct. Economy be succinct of words and economy be, of words and be interesting. And I, yeah. I think Jackie Stewart was a very interesting. I wanted to chime in on that. That is a great one. And Jackie Stewart, not only he, I mean, he was the go-to ABC uh, a motorsports guy. And my dad came, was a sports car uh, enthusiast and, and uh, took part in races and stuff in the 50s. Um, and Stewart was their go-to guy, former Formula One champion, also sports car driver, drove a lot of different things. And I think Stewart did a, a fabulous job. And frankly, I love watching the Indianapolis 500 for years. That was big. We'd have parties, get together. It, it, once he was gone, kind of lost a little bit for yeah, me. He was great. Kind of I, I even enjoyed him. I I followed it uh, back in the early 70s. I loved Mario Andretti. I think he won in 1970. And I loved Jackie Stewart. He was 69. so— was it 69? 69. I believe it was Al Unser in 1970. Okay, very, very good. Very good. But I was a year away, which normally would be pretty good considering it's a no, 50 reference. But I still feel bad about that. I should be on point when it comes to dates. So well done. Uh, but Jackie Stewart was fascinating. He was fascinating to listen to. He was fascinating to look at, too. Yeah. And I thought he was terrific. And that's just such a great uh, name to pull out of the hat, Janine. So that's a perfect example because she was. it was 20 seconds. She was succinct. She was highly interesting. Brian Iscari was a little longer than that, but he brought up both those guys. No, and not good, only good answer. Not only told us about Vin and Vin and uh, and Miller, uh, John Miller, but he told us why. Grandpa and funny uncle. I thought that was outstanding. And then it, Lenny, you know, was succinct, and then all three of his major local guys in Pittsburgh. So that's, now, those, those were perfect examples today of what we want, and none of them were Ferreras, by the way, John. <laughs> No, no, they they weren't. None, none of the family. They. I put a filter on the email. Question. What's that, Jeff? I put a filter on the email. <laughs> That's how Mark's communicating with his family through their their uh, they're actually there's some sort of code in every one of those answers to where Mark can find the family fortune if he needs to draw from it. Now that his chosen profession no longer will offer him work. No, no, or any it. of us. Exactly. I'm done. I'm done. That's okay. Well, again, it was a it was a solid, solid run. So uh, I think once again, we encourage you, folks. We encourage you to give us some voice memos and and play play it differently a little bit because at some point in time, we're not going to be able to come up with a poll question every every other day, John. No, at my some point we're going to run out of ideas. My idea for the poll question today was which one of our poll questions was your favorite. So, and I think that's probably a limited, uh, you know, it might be, it might be nice to know sort of thing. Yeah. People can let us know, but I don't think it really counts as a poll question. And we may get to the point where we just don't have a poll question someday. So, or, just or be- maybe it's just more topical when we, when we get back to having topics, when we get back to live sports. Yes. Now the, 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 the depressive part of all of this is that, uh, there is as of this moment, no other scheduled live sporting event ever. I know How about that stuff. So maybe, maybe, maybe the next thing we have will be the 2021 draft. I, th- I think we should make our show a live sporting event. Wow. So we should somehow incorporate some sort of game or sports or contest into our show, even though it's not live. We got to, so I'm this, sure there's a way, I'm sure technology ha- has an answer for us. The, would this require any strenuous physical effort from me? No physical strenuous effort, okay. effort, but you may it may be required for for you to you know have some mental effort put forward and focus. 
and patience. Are you getting into any of the, the EA sports playing live uh, professional athletes things? I, I actually have watched a little bit of it. I watched uh, I watched some of the racing and uh, I, I haven't yet. There's what was what there was a uh, Gretzky and Ovechkin played uh, NHL 20K. That's, that's and I fun. didn't see that. It, uh, Ovechkin, uh, you did or you did not? I did not. Oh, are you going to go back and watch it? I don't want to spoil it. No, you won't spoil it for me. I would assume Ovechkin did better simply because he's younger. And, uh, you know, when Wayne Gretzky is essentially my age, so video games back then were, you know, uh, Pong. Funny you say that because Ovechkin went and did an interview and said that he heard Wayne Gretzky was practicing, so he needed to practice. And they played a test run just to make sure all of the uh, technical was right. And uh, Gretzky was in it. And uh, afterward, he was interviewed. And he said, I think the reality of this is that Ovi isn't very good at this either. <laughs> but their their live game, uh, it was 3-2 with about 20 seconds left in the third period. And uh, Ovi took it up the middle of the ice and kicked it over to Kempney. And Kempney scored to take it into overtime. And Gretzky won in overtime. Wow. Fun. Nice. All right. Yeah, that's that's really kind of fun. And it's a great way for those guys to keep themselves out there. I will say this about that EA hockey game. It's difficult. Oh, yeah. It is a difficult game to master. You have to be uh, you have to have been born in the the 50 button uh, time frame to be able to play those games anymore. I mean, you're actually now like using three buttons to use the fingers to catch balls and hold sticks. It's nuts. They've got like, uh, you know, uh, that makes me toe kick stuff and everything. It's yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm used to blades of steel, which it's like three stick figures. And you, basically the only thing you really wanted to do was to bash the other guy's head in. That that was it, because it, it had a thing where you could bash a guy's head in. Yes, uh, that 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 to me was fun. But that that's a difficult, difficult game. It is. Uh, and and there's televising Madden championships and everything now re-televising old ones. So yeah. I have actually watched more of the video games than I have. I have a PlayStation four and I have Madden and uh, a couple of other sports games. And I haven't played those at all during this. This would be the time normally for you to get good at all that stuff, Johnny. I know, I know, but it's just, I've just, it's I've too given goal it oriented. It's too goal oriented for That's you. That's a good point. It's, it's no longer wasting time. Exactly. It was fun See? when it was wasting time. Exactly. That, boy, oh boy, the, 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 just the slight shift in dynamic. It's oh my amazing God. what can happen. Frisbee golf was amazing when I was skipping class. <laughs> now it's like, hmm. Hell wants to do that. I have frisbees, and I'll tell you what, I play it wherever I go. I take my frisbees with me. I've played that Golden Gate Park uh, I think we talked about on the first yeah, show that beautiful. never aired. And uh, frisbee golf is awesome. I actually I may go play frisbee golf. I remember golf. it being fun. It is fun. Yeah. It's a great, back great afternoon. Yeah, when we were, you were wasting time. All right, let's do the answer for Progressive Trivia. Going to give you guys one more chance to, uh, to guess. Uh, he's a former first-rounder. Was picked in the first round. Not first overall, first round. Played, has played for 13 years. He's active. Technically, he's active. 13 years, three different teams. 12,000 yards from scrimmage over that, actually. He's also led the league in touchdowns twice. He's played with Ryan Fitzpatrick and with Amari Cooper. He's been coached by two Super Bowl-winning head coaches. And he's a five-time Pro Bowler, and he's a one-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro. Played in the Pac-10. Anyone? Go ahead and just say it this time. It's not Reggie Bush. It's not uh, Ingram. Is it a former Buccaneer? It is not a former Buccaneer. All right, then I'm out. 
too nebulous. Yeah, you, you got me on this one, Mark. All right. Uh, first, I know it's pick. probably a tight end or something. No, he's a running back. Okay. And uh, he played when he was at Buffalo, played with Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was at Oakland. He played with Amari Cooper Been coached by John Gruden, Super Bowl winning head coach. And he's been coached by Pete Carroll hmm. and uh, played in the Pac-10, played with Cal. He's Marshawn Lynch. Oh, beast mode. Yeah. How about that? Wow. It's a good one. That was a good one. That it's is interesting good one. because, you know, a, a few of our listeners actually uh, text me when they're, you know, when they're listening in real time. To, uh, to to give the answers, and uh, Lenny has been highly successful uh, for most of the time. All right, that does it for us, ladies and gentlemen. For Jeff Taylor and John Pelkey, I'm Mark Ferrer. You've been listening to After Further Review.